I'm Enrique Cerna, and this is Reporter's Notebook. And joining me is Crosscut City reporter David Croman. And uh, to talk about an incredible story that he wrote on Monday, uh, Stop the Plane, the Frantic Race to Halt a Deportation, amidst the protests that were going on over the weekend and uh, the fallout from President Trump's executive order on immigration bans. And, and David, uh, actually... You didn't write this story until Monday, and tell me how it all came about, because it's kind of unusual how you did this. Yeah, like you said, I wasn't I wasn't at the protest, actually, at SeaTac that, that happened on Saturday. Um, so on Monday, um, you know, I, I just noticed that there was, a, there was a lot of chatter about the protesters and how the police reacted to the protesters and the uh, pepper spraying, and, you know, that seemed to be where a lot of the coverage was, but... Um, you know, I just happened to notice on, on Twitter, actually, um, someone who was sort of more behind the scenes a little bit with what was actually occurring um, during these negotiations to try and free these detainees. You know, he was sort of complaining about how, uh, you know, protesters and all that is important, but there's this other story that hasn't been told. And so um, got in touch with him and then um, sort of through that, this story unfolded pretty easily, actually. And actually, the, the person that really gave you insights into all of this was uh, uh, Port Commissioner, Port of Seattle Commissioner, Courtney Gregoire. Mm -hmm. She, I mean, she was really, you know, I think a lot of credit for kicking this thing off goes to her. So she woke up on Saturday morning and I think like a lot of people in the country were sort of wondering what had just happened with this ban that um, President Trump had just signed. Um, But, you know, unlike most Americans... She's the Port of Seattle commissioner. She, her, the airport is in her jurisdiction. It's one. It's a part of her job. So, um, I think she was sort of. You know, so the first thing she thought to herself was, "Well, I wonder if some of the chaos that's unfolding at JFK in New York is happening here." And so I think she sort of thought she would just be able to pick up the phone and and call someone and say, "Hi, this is the Port of Seattle commissioner. You know, you kind of work for me. Um, <laughs> what's happening? Who's who's in our airport?" And it was much, much harder than that. They wouldn't tell her? No, because so she called the um, Customs and Border Patrol, who are not actually um, under her jurisdiction. They're part of the Department of Homeland Security, a federal agency. Um, They called, and they wouldn't tell them anything. They wouldn't say if anyone had been turned back, if anyone had been detained, um, or even necessarily if any passengers from these seven countries that Trump decided to ban had come through the airport. Um, but, you know, knowing SeaTac, she knew that at, flights had come in from at least Frankfurt and Dubai, which are major hubs across the Atlantic. And so, you know, just I don't know how many people are on those planes, more than 200, probably a pretty good chance that at least one person or a couple people on those flights coming into SeaTac came from one of those seven countries. Yeah. And so when she couldn't learn anything, she got in the car and drove to the airport and figured she would track these people down. Now, as she was the one that kind of told you this story and, and gave you kind of the inside. Yeah, she well, she told me her her side of the story, um, which was that, that she drove to SeaTac. She got in touch with former U.S. attorney Jenny Durkin. Um, Durkin, I think, sort of did a lot of the organizing to pull in the ACLU and the Northwest Immigrants' Rights Projects Project, who... Their lawyers were the ones who did most of the work 
of drafting the complaints that they submitted to the federal judge requesting a stay on this executive order. Um, you know, and <laughs> meanwhile, she's running around the airport trying to figure out, has anyone been turned back? Has anyone been detained? And even when she's there in person, and she <laughs> got a briefing with Customs and Border, Border Patrol, and even sitting across the table with them, they wouldn't say anything. And in fact, didn't she really have to push yeah. to get them to talk to her? She was pushing super hard, and <laughs> the only bit of inf- the first bit of information she got wasn't from them at all. Her husband, Scott Lindsay, who is also an advisor to Mayor Seattle Mayor Ed Murray, while Gregoire was in this briefing, Lindsay was just literally pacing around baggage claim, looking for people who looked confused or maybe wondering, a, if wondering where the loved ones are. Yeah. And so he saw this Somali family who was sitting there. Um, you know, I'm sure he didn't know immediately that they were Somali, but they looked confused, um, wondering what was going on. So he approached them and said, you don't happen to be waiting for a family member. And they said, yeah. And this is at, this is at about one o'clock. And they had been expecting their aunt to come in at 1030 that morning. So the plane had come. They could see it on the screen that it had landed, but this person never showed up. And so, you know, he texted her, his wife, Gregoire, who was still in this briefing. You know, there's this family out here that I think might be falling victim to this executive order. So she came out, pulled them in, made Customs and Border Patrol tell them what was going on. Because until Lindsay found them, they had no idea that he had, in fact, already been put on a plane and sent back to Vienna, where he had come from. And so they were sitting there, and they were going to be sitting there until he landed in Vienna, picked up the phone, and called them and said, "I'm I'm not in Seattle, I'm in Vienna, they turned me back. So by pure chance that they found these people and had Customs and Border Patrol explain to them what was going on. But even when they found those people, they still didn't know how many had been turned back or if there were currently people being detained at the airport. And in the midst of this, too, protests started to build. As Mm -hmm. the word got out, suddenly, uh, I think through social media, uh, people started to to descend on Mm -hmm. SeaTac, causing transportation problems (laughs) for people trying to get out there, trying to get their flights and everything. Crowd grew to a huge, I think, was it? About 3,000. About 3,000, yeah. At one point. But also then we had elected officials who Mm -hmm. showed up from the governor Mm -hmm. to the lieutenant governor to uh, Pramila Jayapal, Mm -hmm. the new 7th District congressperson. Um, Patty Murray, I believe. Yeah, and Representative Del Bene. Right, uh, governor. Yeah, the governor. Um, Yeah, so as, as Gregoire and her husband are sort of at the airport figuring this stuff out, news that there might, in fact, be detainees at SeaTax started to seep out to, as you mentioned, all these other elected officials. So um, I think around two, um, I know that Representative Jayapal started hearing more about it and started coming to the airport, and all these different elected officials started descending on the airport. Each one of them, sort of with the same goal in mind that Gregoire had, is of, um, you know, if... Customs and Border Patrol isn't going to tell me anything over the phone. I'm going to pound down their door and make them tell me something to my face. No, they actually did that, Including right? the governor. Yeah, so they all show up. They put together this sort of stirring press conference when, you know, Governor Inslee, who's not necessarily known for his public speaking, gives a quite stirring and damning speech uh, rebuking 
Donald Trump's executive order comparing it to um, Japanese American internment during World War II. Um, and so all this is sort of building. And then simultaneously, you know, people back in Seattle around the surrounding area starting to kind of hear that this is happening. And like you said, um, you know, one man that I talked to put up a Facebook event saying, you know, let's go to the airport to, prote to protest at about three. And he said within an hour, he had hundreds of people signed up. And then by six o'clock when they actually showed, showed up, you know, more than a thousand people had registered on the Facebook page and eventually 3000 people showed up. Um, meanwhile, even as this press conference is happening, they still don't really know exactly what's going on. So in the middle of the press con conference, Gregoire finds out that there are, in fact, two people being detained in the airport. And more than that, they have been booked on a flight back to du Dubai at 5 o'clock. So it's about 3.45, 4 at this point. She's standing up there in front of all these TV cameras, gets the word that these two people um, would be shipped out. Right. So she runs off, finds Durkin. The, the issue that all the lawyers are having at this point is as they're drafting their complaints, they don't know who they're representing. They don't even know how many people they're representing. So they decide at this point, all right, we know that there are, in fact, detainees here. Let's file it under a John Doe. So once they got that word, they shot the order off to federal judge um, Thomas Zilly. Um, <laughs> one person, she wasn't sure about this, but she, she even thought that he was maybe on a golf course somewhere. I mean, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't in his office exactly, but they tracked him down, sent off this complaint. Kind of a cold day to go play golf. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so then um, Durkin and Gregoire and head of the Northwest Immigrant Rights Project, Jorge Barone, go to the airline and say, we've just submitted this complaint. Can you please delay the plane a little bit? And they sort of reluctantly agree. Um, as they're doing that, representatives Del Bene and Jayapal are demanding their own sort of face-to-face -face meeting with Customs and Border Patrol. Security won't let them through. They stick at it for long enough that finally security agrees to escort them to the offices of Customs and Border Patrol, which <laughs> to get there, they had to literally go through sort of the back baggage processing, baggage claim area, you know, where all the bags right. are zipping mm -hmm. on the conveyor belt, took an elevator down to the tarmac where there was a van waiting for them where they <laughs> buzzed across the concrete went in and then no one would come to the door you, they could see people in the customs and border patrol agency behind their desks and no one would open it for them so they started <laughs> two, pounding two congress people <laughs> literally banging on the door of uh, customs and border patrol until after 20 minutes of this one of them finally comes out agrees to talk they get governor inslee and Senator, U.S. Senator Patty Murray on the phone, sort of have this, <laughs> apparently... I would like to have been a fly know, on the I wall for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know exactly what was said, but apparently Inslee was um, quite frustrated with what was going on. Um, so <laughs> it's so many different things. So they're, they're down in Customs and Border Patrol. Gregoire and Barone are sort of waiting for this order to come through, if it even will come through from the judge. These protests are growing in size people are coming by the hundreds on the train and then finally barone gets this order on his phone they run to the gate and literally as the boarding ramp is pulling away from the plane the plane is about to start backing wow. up they run to the desk and say we have this order you have to stop that plane and they do and these two poor people who turned out to be one from sudan and one from yemen yemen um, one of them was in town was on his way to an engineering conference. The other one was coming in to 
visit his family. Yeah. Customs and Border Patrol agents come back onto the plane that they have just stuck them on, pull them off the plane, don't <laughs> explain to them why exactly. So they're, of course, now they're imagining they're under arrest, which, you know, under a certain lens, they are, in fact, under arrest. Um, so they get pulled into the sort of back security room. Jayapal and Del Bene, still in their meeting with Customs and Border Patrol, hear the news that the order has been handed down. Um, but then Customs and Border Patrol say, well, we don't, we don't know what to do with these two detainees, so we're going to send them to Tacoma, to, oh, the, to the detention, detention center, center, which is where they hold... It's you know a facility built for 700 people, often has up to 1,500 right. people in this facility, um, run by a private prison company. Um, it's often the subject of protest. So the idea of sending these people who have done who got on the plane in their original destinations with all and have legal, committed no crime, right? With right. all legal right to get on that plane, and halfway through their plane ride, have suddenly become criminals and are going to end up in the detention center. Um, you know, sort of mind-boggling. So Barone managed to convince them to not send them to the detention center and, in fact, just roll out cots on the floor. So they slept there. They slept there <laughs> oh. in the offices. Wow. Um, and, you know, protests, meanwhile, are getting rowdier and rowdier. Port of Seattle police, who are in way over their head, have never dealt with protests before, start pepper-spraying people and arresting people. Um, at one point, the Sound Transit light rail train... Uh, didn't was not stopping at the airport. Chaos. <laughs> it was total chaos. total chaos. Yeah. Um, but for the two detainees, it ended up being a happy ending because the next morning at about six thirty, um, Gregoire and the Port of Seattle were actually able to obtain their release. Wow. And for you, as the reporter reporting this story, you weren't there, but it's after the fact. Uh, you make the connection with. Courtney Gregoire, who mm. gives you some insight, and then you start talking to other other folks that were all involved, and you mm -hmm. pieced it together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, the Jayapal account um, of them driving across the tarmac, you know, that was all sort of relayed to me through, right. you know, various channels. And, you know, Gregoire's narrative was sort of the meat of it, but um, there are all these, I mean, what made this whole day so crazy is just all these other little details that were unfolding it parallel times in different locations and the fact that in the end all of these sort of came together right. um, to lead to these people who were literally minutes away from being sent back to their countries um, actually being able to stay in the United States. And by the way, um, you were actually writing this story while well, reporting and writing the story while covering uh, an inquest, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Of so the, uh, in the controversial shooting death of Shea Taylor. Yeah, I was sitting in the overflow room of a court proceeding, um, taking phone calls and leaving and answering emails and just sort of the reality of being a local news reporter. Well, you made good use of your time, Dave. Way to go. Appreciate <laughs> it. Great story. Great writing. Great reporting. Thank really you. Really good job. Uh, check it out at crosscut.com. Excellent story by David Crowman. And this has been Reporter's Notebook. I'm Enrique Cerno. We'll talk more next time. To hear more podcasts from KCTS 9 Digital Studios, visit kcts9.org slash podcasts.